Welcome, all you blokes and chillers, to the Sport Shack from the Gold Coast, Australia. In the Sport Shack this week, we're going to talk about some of the sporting topics of the week and go back in time with some of our favourite sporting memories from the past as well as the news and events, music and film, and lots more. And all from and with our great mate, Paul Tonner. We acknowledge the Ugambe people, past and present, the traditional custodians of this land, of the Gold Coast. We thank the Yogambe people for the opportunities to do this podcast on their land. Hello everybody and welcome to another episode of the Sports Shack. I hope you are well and have had a great sporting week. Or a great few sporting weeks, Glenn. Uh, uh, oh no, you've had a <laughs> you've had an interesting few weeks. A couple, yeah, and, and just happened to all come. Yeah, well, I'm now in the two weeks in this beautiful oh. apartment with overlooking the the Gold Coast waterways and and all that, and because of me, of me condition, arthritis. Last weekend, the weather changed and mm. that, that restricted me. And now, now I've been bloody walking around with this quick, quick leg, which I finally managed to get better for the osteopath. But yeah, it all comes, me stay all comes to an end on the yeah. on Monday, unfortunately. Oh, yeah, I was, we're at the uh, the glorious Royal Pacific oh, yeah. here in bigger waters oh, today. Yeah. Right on the broad water. Yeah. It's a bit further down the road from Paul's Sports Shack. Yeah. But this place has got a real spectacular yeah. view. Yeah, $10 million views, I reckon. Oh, yeah. But you've done well, though. Yeah. I know it's been difficult a few weeks, but... Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but but I've, I've enjoyed it. Yeah. Um, yeah, just to look out there and just, yeah, just wow. Mm. All the activities that go on during the weekend, people out yeah. enjoying the, you know, the the water sports and that. It's a thrive of activity out there, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. Yeah. I was down at Byron last weekend. Yeah. Yeah. And yeah. it bucketed down, absolutely teamed down. Yeah. Oh, but I was able to uh, watch a lot of the the one day. Cricket, uh, cricket World Cup final. Yeah. I mean, yeah, well, the final's not up yet. Yeah, the matches. Yeah. yeah, we beat the Poms, and yeah. we're now in the semi-final. Going to be playing yeah. South Africa. Yeah. But but I didn't. I, it wasn't the last Friday that I I did my left knee, mm. and for most of the week there was hardly anyone here. I went out Friday. Get a bit of tucker, came back. There was only one parking spot left. So right. Within the sh- within that short couple of hours, yeah. I was out. The place was booked out. Friday afternoon yeah, rush. No, no vacancy sign. I'm going because yeah. because normally I, I can get a um a parking spot you know right near the lift, but no, nah, I, I had to put the car in this corner because yeah just. Everyone turned up, but the the Royal Pacific Resorts. I've known I've known Simon and his his partner for over fifteen years, and I reckon it's that good of a spot. I reckon 
there's no vacancy zone always comes up first. Yeah. I reckon because the place is spotless, mm. they, 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 they maintain it really well. Certainly do. And, yeah, yeah just really... Uh, and Simon and his, his wife, they're just so friendly, mm. down to earth. And this is the second time you've stayed here? No, I, I've, I, haven't, I haven't stayed here when I was living at Port Macquarie. Yeah. I'd bring the kids up for holidays. Mm. So, and, and we would stay here. It's fantastic. But no, no, it's an absolutely beautiful place, beautiful spot. And to think that I've walked past it so many times. Uh, yeah. Just haven't really paid much attention no, no, to it. No, it's, Looking at other things out there, Glenn. Oh, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah, you've always got that sort of... A bit of eye candy. Yeah. You've, <laughs> you've always got that sort of thing happening. Well, that just across the road there, that's in that car park, I'm always... Gets, I normally pick up quite a few cans and bottles around yeah. there, so yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what I'm looking for too. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, they, they, they've got the big recycling bin downstairs. Which yeah. I've been filling up with my cans. Yeah. And, and stuff like that. But yeah. Now I've enjoyed my time here. So the Royal Pacific's a big clap. Oh yeah, definitely a big. Yeah. Yeah, big clap. And it's Armistice Day today. Yeah. Yep. Eleventh of the eleventh. Yeah. So so we'll go we'll go straight into Who is going to get a slap and who is going to get a clap for this week? Because we've got a big beauty one, haven't we? Yep. And it starts at oh <laughs> Optus. And it's unbelievable about Well they're just a, they're a weekly one like the wallabies, aren't they? But the fact the whole country was shut down. Yeah. The train network in Melbourne was shut down. Trains were stuck between stations. Big businesses were closing down. And the, and they, because um, I'm with doctors, and they sent me a text message, email, used to say, oh, for the, for the inconvenience, we're going to give you um, an extra 200 gig. Yeah, yeah, I was uh, told that yesterday. Uh, uh, so I, I thought, nah, that ain't happening. Yeah. Because I, was, uh, because I, I woke up the, I woke up that morning in that much pain. I could not call anyone. Yeah. I could not get anyone here. I could not get line out or anything. Because even people with with um, their phone lines... Yeah. Landlines, something a lot of areas were out. Gosh. Anyway, I, I, I rang them up. I spoke to a lovely, absolutely lovely customer service lady girl. Yeah. That actually has the same birthday as me. All oh, right. The third of August. Yeah. I said, I bet, I said, I bet you're not born in '67. <laughs> she said, I'm a bit younger than that. I said, Yeah, <laughs> yeah, but but I, I said, look. Well, I've got to say, I'm not directing you, directing my complaint to you directly, as in yeah. blaming you for it, because I know that you're just doing your yeah. job and you've probably right. been copying a lot of assholes ringing up mm. and having to go at you. So I said, well, this kind of gig in data, it's a joke. Yeah. It's costing you nothing. Yeah. Data cost you nothing. I said, I want three months 
of credits. That's why I want, or else I'm going to find find the lawyer to um to clean you guys out because the amount of pain that I was in yeah. that morning. Yeah, I, I I've been drinking OP rum and not getting drunk, and still had the pain. Jeez, that's how bad it was. Yeah. Anyway, I, I spoke to her and I said, well, this is what I want. She said, I've, I've taken note. And I, I, I was, I, um, I said, I hope the best of your day is a good day and you don't get too many mm. bastards hey. having a go at you. You wouldn't want to be in that position, would and, you? And have a great weekend because I, I know it's not their fault. Mm. But to have it countrywide? Oh, unforgivable. Uh, it's just... Totally unforgivable. It, 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 it's got a multiple, 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 multiple slaps. <laughs> yeah, because how? Because I had that breach, what, last year or so. I think mean, that's enough. So, well, if they can get in, aren't they going to keep on getting in? Mm. And it's going to keep on happening? Yeah. Uh, yeah, so. and once you lock in with these phone providers, it's hard to get out of them. That's what I find. More, more. And internet providers. I reckon there'll be class action against them. Mm. Oh, definitely. You know, be good business, especially people in your situation. Yeah, um, yeah. not only mine, but also business mm. that would have lost a day's income. Yeah, and people that have lost a day's a day's wage and stuff like that. Gosh. Yeah. 200 gig, big deal. Yeah, like, like, <laughs> uh, uh, it's not much reimbursement, really. Uh, no, yeah, and for a month. Yeah. It, it, it's not like it, it accumulates. Gosh. That, you know, I can end up with yeah. a terabyte that, at, you know, within a few months. Mm. But no, they're... Um, they're a massive big slap. Oh, definitely. Uh, uh, Ridiculous. Yeah. And, the, you know, one of the excuses was, oh, we're possibly hacked. Like, <laughs> how can you be the... Must have been a big hacking. How, how can you be the second largest <laughs> communication company in Australia uh, and do, allow mate. yourself get, to get hacked within two... With, in under two years? Yeah. Uh, like, uh, really? What are your technicians? Jeez. Doing? Yeah. Hey, well. Yeah, so my, my other slap of the week, mm. Bloody Foxtel. Oh, yeah. Playing the same, same <laughs> movie over and over again. Well, that's like NRL time especially. Uh, yeah, throughout the season, they'll just play one same game over and over and uh, over. Oh. Uh, no, no, I, I prefer to watch old games, you know, yeah. like and old cricket matches and yeah. you know from the seventies and eighties. It's great when they show that. Yeah. yeah, that gets me on the edge of my seat. Yeah, not something I've seen three or four times already. Yeah, but I I, I came back. Yesterday afternoon with me, um, support work and Natalie. Yeah. I thought I'm not turning on the TV because 
I, 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 I said to her, I said, I, I bet you hang over to his on. Yeah. But I'm not even going to turn You probably it. know all the words by now. Yeah, but, but, but luckily after dinner, I, I turned on and there's a great movie called Paul. Yeah. Oh, seen? it would be a great movie if it's named oh. Paul. <laughs> but, but, but have you seen it? No. It's about a, um, an alien that crashed into Earth. Yeah. And end up killing these girls. Um, dog named Paul. So, yeah. so they named the alien Paul. And um, anyway, he, he was taken by the US government and you know, for 60 years, and, and then they got all his knowledge. Yeah. And the next stage was to, to, to you know, take his brain out and study his brain. So then he escaped, and he, yeah, you know, it's, it, it's, I go on about it, it's a really good movie. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. And, um, I'll tell you what, I'm a big slut. Yeah, give yep. yourself a slut. Yep. Up I broke a 13 year drought. But it was all for nothing. <laughs> I picked the winner of the Melbourne Cup and I ran out of time to put my, get to the TAB. Yeah. Because yeah. of bloody daylight saving. Yeah. If it wasn't for daylight saving, I would have got there in time. Because yeah. Queensland weight doesn't have it. Yeah. yeah. Well, it's me like last year. Yeah. I picked the winner, but instead of putting... The bet on the win. Yeah. I put it on I'd accidentally put it on a place. Oh, did you? And when it and when it won, because yeah. it, it it was an outside, I thought I've cleaned up here. Yeah. I've cleaned up here and then um and then without checking it and I'd see how much I'd won. Yeah. I found that I I'd only put it put it down as a as a place. Oh, gosh. Actually, I think I remember that now. Yeah. yeah. I was kicking myself. But I, but I wanted to... Because I, I haven't touched that account since. Yeah. And I was going to save it for... Yeah, well, Mark, Mark Zara, he's a big clack. Because he was a jockey that rode without a fight to victory. And he, he was the... He rode um, the same... He, he was the jockey last year. The winning jockey last year. So two years in a row he's wow. picked it up. He's going for a hat trick next year. Yeah. Yeah. Just trying to think. What was the name of the horse last year that won it? Um, oh, 22. It was gold something, I think. Gold. Yeah. Gold trip. That's right. Gold trip. Which, yeah. which if, I, if I put it on the win, not a place... I would have probably been living in the god house. Oh right yeah. Now, yeah, I haven't bothered to see how much money I would have won. I, I refuse to have a look. Yeah, right. and that I'm done and dusted with the Melbourne Cup now. After, after that. Yeah. Oh gosh. No, this daylight saving living that one hour. Yeah. It um. It really throws everything out. Oh. well, it's great when you're coming back yeah. from New South Wales and the Queensland because yeah. you get that hour back, but. You know, everything else. But, yeah, the Kangaroos, the Australian Rugby League team, they're a massive slap. Yeah. They suffered a record defeat. 
last weekend. New yeah. Kiwis spanked their backside. <laughs> New Zealanders did 30 to nil. 30 to nil. Yeah, but this is it. Like, and I've always said this that now these a lot of these Queensland players, and it's been like this for years and years. Like, you know, I think playing for their state means more than playing for their country. A lot of them, yeah. you know, they'll say, "Oh, you're playing for my country's number one," but you know, the, yeah. on paper, Australia should beat New Zealand pretty yeah. pretty easily. They beat them comfortably the week before, yeah. and but you know, yeah, but it's been like that even when. Like back in the eighties, when, yeah, you know some of the great players, yeah, they they were nowhere near as effective playing yeah. for Australia than they were for Queensland. Yeah. yeah, but Angelo Matthews, he's a Sri Lankan cricketer. He's one of their legends. Yeah. He was the first ever cricketer in the history of the game to have been given out, timed out. Timed out. Yeah. Yep. What does that mean? So that means, like, from the time a batsman gets out to the time the next batsman has to come in and face, it, you've got to be, there's an allocated time. I think it's like oh, three minutes or something. Uh, yeah, so he got he was really slow getting out there. Uh, and it's not good enough for, you know, experienced player like him. Uh, yeah, but when he got out there, his strap on his helmet broke. Uh, and, yeah, he requested to go and replace his helmet. Um, and, yeah, Bangladesh players appealed. Uh, and, yeah, he was given out. <laughs> and he wasn't happy about it, understandably. Yeah, that's a bit rough. Yeah, but, yeah, that's a slap too, the Bangladesh players. And the, the captain, uh, what's his name, Shakib Al-Hassan. Uh, yeah. Not very good sportsmanship there. Uh, yeah, so, uh, yeah, but Paul Gallon too. Yeah, did you hear, see that? I saw it on the, um, I was on the internet last week. Yeah. Yeah, it wasn't mentioned in the news. Yeah, he was down at uh, this pub down at Jervis Bay. Uh. Yeah, just got into this massive brawl uh. down there and, uh. gosh, I wouldn't be picking a fight with him. Uh. But now my claps, pinch me, I'm dreaming. New South Wales, after nearly two years, finally won a cricket match. <laughs> Is this the, um, the Shield team? Yeah. yeah. I couldn't believe it. They they had a big win too. And the lineup that they've got, the talent that they've yeah. got. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You know, they, they should have been up doing a lot better than what they are. Exactly. Well... Even though, like, a lot of the Australian team have made up of New South Wales players, they yeah. still should have that depth there, uh, you know, to cover it. Yeah. And, nah. Yeah. But, no, nah, India are a big clap, and I think they lay down Mazair to win the World Cup. Uh, um, I just cannot see them, especially in their uh, own conditions, uh, getting beat. Uh, and <laughs> I'm going to say it. Herculean. Herculean. I told you not to say that. Bloody <laughs> Glenn Maxwell. Yeah. The greatest one-day innings of all time. Yeah. Now, it was Herculean. I don't care what you say, but it was one of the greatest performances, individual performances of all time yeah. against Afghanistan. 
Uh, when we were chasing, what, 270-odd? And we were seven for 90-something. Yeah. Actually, we were chasing about 290. Yeah. Yeah. So we're about 200 runs behind. Seven for 91 we were. Seven for 91. That was when Cummins came to the crease. Maxwell just, he had, you know, was only on about a dozen runs or something at the time. And, yeah, he single-handedly won the game for us, scoring a a double hundred. First Australian uh, cricketer to score a one-day international double ton. And... It wasn't just that wonderful performance with all his clean hitting. Yeah. And, yeah, but the fact that he was severely cramped because he'd bowled like 10 overs or something. Because uh-uh. you know, this was in, uh, where was that at? Bombay, I think. Yeah. So it was like uh-uh. the conditions were just terrible, you know. Uh-uh. Yeah, and when he was batting, I think, yeah, they had to bring out all this pickle juice. and uh-uh. So... Basically, it got to the stage where he couldn't move. He was just standing and swinging. Uh-huh. <laughs> you could see the agony he was in. Uh-huh. Yeah. And he's single-handedly, out of nowhere, just won the game uh-huh. for him. Uh-huh. It was amazing. Uh-huh. On the, I was just watching an old clip from the front boat. The front, yeah. the front boat was only a couple weeks ago, but they had this old cricketer on. Yeah. I think he played for Victoria. I can't remember his name, but he had this property, and he'd been out there. You know, they lived there, yeah. and he'd been. He had quite a few sherbets under his belt, <laughs> so he thought, I'll go outside for a flash. So he went out there, and he's standing there in the dark, and bang, this bottle of lightning comes, comes um right near him while, while he's, and he thought, oh, I, I must have, you know, hit the electric fence. So he's, he's staggered his back inside and his missus, his missus had seen what had happened. And um, he, he sort of, oh yeah, nah, n- n- yeah, ignored it all and all that. Hey. Then a couple of hours later, he went back out to, let a couple more out, and and the light got struck again and closer, and that instantly saved him up. Saved him up. Gee. He actually got down on the ground and he crawled back yeah. to the house and crawled inside, and just sitting inside the house is shaking. I don't know how people can say they enjoy lightning and all that. I love it. I oh, God I, I love it. I hate it, especially if I'm in the pool and no. I have to get out. No, no, I, I love lightning because it's so powerful. Yeah. No, no we used to, um, there was a tower that used to get struck a lot by lightning hmm. and we would, we would, we would stand near it, watch the tower get struck by lightning and then run under the shelter. Yeah. And we do this on purpose. <laughs> Gosh. Now, I, 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 I've had an early strike me a couple of times. Mm. But, yeah. yeah. It's pretty powerful stuff. Yeah, we should look up uh, sports people who have been struck by lightning. <laughs> <laughs> it would have happened over the years, oh, oh, especially yeah. golfers yeah. and surfers. 
Oh. Gosh, you just about got to get a, a big net out to get them out yeah, of the water. No, no we've got a um, good mate of mine, Dave. He's a council lifeguard and he's, mm. he's done lots of, um, lots of different water sports and I reckon he'd have some great stories yeah. to tell about being a lifeguard for the last 30 years. Yeah, we'll, we'll do an episode one time on the most dangerous sports. Yeah. Yeah. Ones that don't get much recognition. Uh-uh. Rightio, we'll move on to our topic for today. I've been looking forward to this one. We're going to talk about sports stars who have had songs made, up, made about them and inspired great music. Yeah, so Glenn, when you think of sporting stars and or human or animal, so there could be animals... Like racehorses or, yeah. yeah, that have had a song named after them. What comes to mind? Well, the, yeah, the biggest and well, well-known one in Australia would be our Don Bradman. Our Don Bradman. Yeah. Made in 1930 by the, the uh, one and only Jack O'Hagan. Yeah. Mm. Yeah, but no, I've, I've, I've been meant to research it, but... Mate, when you're in this much pain that I've been in... Yeah, not fun. You, you, you can't think of anything else. Yeah. Doesn't matter what eye candy's walking past <laughs> in, front, in front of my unit. I can't focus. Yeah. I'm going, how the hell am I going to get back yeah. inside? Or It's uh, debilitating, definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh. No, there's been a few songs about Don Bradman. Yeah, Paul Kelly released one in 1986, simply called Bradman. And John Williamson. Yeah. Yeah, Sir Don. Yeah. Was the title of the song. Yeah. And, yeah, he's a very well-known Aussie uh, singer. Yeah. Sang a lot of our anthems, True Blue. Yeah, he's a bush. He's not country, he's bush. Bush, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, that's right. Yeah, really... Mm. Really nice guy because he actually did um, fundraising concerts for the the Port Macquarie um, Koala Hospital. Oh, okay. Yeah. We yeah. sang Waltzing Matilda yeah, at the start of Wallaby Games when we actually used to win <laughs> 20 odd years ago. Now we just practice. For oh. the <laughs> <laughs> now it's like, don't even bother showing up. <laughs> Oh. Give New Zealand the points straight away. Yeah. Don't worry about, <laughs> don't worry about um, even training or get onto the field. Yeah. But it's a real shame that you know, they just keep on walking, walking all over us just time and time again. Well, yeah, and it's going to happen for a long time, I think. Yeah, but you got to think they've got so much depth and, you know, we just haven't got that depth. You know, but, but it's, the game's a religion over there. Yeah. And, you know, in South Africa too. And, you know, South Africa won another World Cup. And, yeah. Yeah, the referee for that game was a slap. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think he'll ever be led into into New Zealand. That's yeah. for sure. Yeah. Yeah. No, because um, I've, I've got the... Um, one of my other support workers, he's... He's originally from New Zealand, mm. and I've I've met some other people that are from New Zealand. I thought, yeah. I thought it won't be long until 
you go we'll have a game on the Gold Coast. Spot the Australian <laughs> because most of them will be be New Zealanders. Yeah. Well that men's group, we've got some South African blokes and New Zealand blokes and yeah, it's been interesting the last month or so. Uh, yeah, <laughs> listening to them sledging each other, you yeah. know, in regard to the rugby. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I've, I've, I've been listening to. Um, there's a New, New Zealand station called The Rock, and it broadcasts out about it. Well, it's in New Zealand. Yeah. And I was just listening to the to the. Uh, we're coming up to. The, Coming up to the news, and you know how they have, you know how they say six. Yeah. <laughs> she says, oh, yeah, now for the now for the sex news. Oh, the sex, yeah. <laughs> yeah, fish and chips. Yeah. Oh, no, the, 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 um, the, the news has been coming interesting mm. in. It's sex. In New Zealand. Yeah. Yeah, anyone else come to mind? I'm not, mate, not at this stage. Yeah. Well, I've got some rippers. Yeah, Paul Kelly. He released a song paying tribute to Shane Warne in yeah. 2007. Yeah. And Muhammad, Muhammad Ali. He floats like a butterfly, stings <laughs> like a bee. Yeah. yeah. Muhammad Ali and Black Superman by Johnny Wakelin and the Kinshasa Band. Yeah. Yep. They wouldn't be allowed to say that today, would they? Yeah. Black yeah. Superman. Yeah. yeah, but Russell Morris, he's another Aussie singer who's released a lot of songs yeah. paying tribute to some of our sporting legends, especially in regard to uh, horse racing, the mighty Farlap and Big Red. Yeah, it was the name... The titled song for that, for the great racehorse, yeah. and come on far lap. That was by Al Alan and Diane Hawking, and Jack Lumstein in nineteen thirty two. I think that was the year far lap won the uh, Melbourne Cup, or it might have been nineteen thirty. Uh, oh, thirty two might have been the year she died. Yeah, uh, yeah. Far lap, farewell to you. Uh, yeah. Have you seen the movie Farlap? Oh, a long time ago. Yeah. yeah. No, well, she went over to, um, was it a he or a she? <laughs> I think it was a he. Did you? Yeah. <laughs> the horse is spread all over the place. But it went over yeah. to America. Yeah. And it won a big race over there. And then, yeah, they reckon it got um, poisoned or something. Yeah. Yeah, but Joe DiMaggio, do you know who... It was a famous line by some very famous American singers. Do you know what the name of the song was called? No. Yeah, Mrs. Robinson. Uh, it was a Simon and Garf Garfunkel classic. Yeah. And Joe DiMaggio, the great baseball player. Yeah. Probably the most famous baseballer of all time, just about. Yeah, yeah it goes, quote, Where have you gone, Joe DiMaggio? Our nation turns its lonely eyes to you. Woo, woo, woo. <laughs> now, Paul Simon said it was a sincere tribute to DiMaggio's not long after the baseball great's death. And Paul Simon said, quote, It's one of the most famous lines I ever wrote. End yeah. of quote. Yeah. 
Yeah. Apparently, they, they hate each other's guts, Simon and Garfunkel. Oh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, they have for years. Yeah. yeah. And the great Michael Jordan and that ad, Be Like Mike, that song, yeah. which fe- was, was featured on a Gatorade commercial. Yeah. And we spoke about this one in a previous episode, Elton John. No surprise, yeah, it was that, that titled song. It's one of my favourite Elton John songs, Philadelphia Freedom. Uh-huh. And that was in regard to the great tennis player, Billy Jean King. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hey, Livy, it's quiz time. <laughs> She's back. And she hasn't got as far to go. It's quiz time. Yeah. Don't have to fetch her out the room today. <laughs> now, what have we got today? I have no idea. Sorry. We have. Whoa. Six questions. And I'll wait, I'll, Mainly multiple I'll, guess. I'll wait here to count his mistakes. <laughs> count my mistakes or dad's? mistakes. <laughs> right. Okay, because the last episode we did, he, he guaranteed me that he's going to do it perfectly without any mistakes, without any okay. mispronunciations. And he's he done about nine or ten. <laughs> Okay, so... Okay, question um, one. Yeah. Mark Knopfler from Ire Straits sang a song... Dire Straits. Sorry? Dire Straits. Dire Straits <laughs> sang a song about which former world heavyweight boxing champion? Is it A, Joe Frazier, B, Mike Tyson, or C, Sonny Liston? The answer is C, Sonny Liston. Mm. Question number two. The Red Hot Chili Peppers sang a song about which former NBA basketball great? Is it A, Magic Johnson, which is a great name, by the way, oh my gosh. B, Cope Bryant, or C, Derek Rodman? The answer is A, Magic Johnson. Question Mm. number three. What is the name of the legendary American singer-slash-songwriter who wrote a song as a protest to the imprisonment of boxer Reuben Hurricane Carter? Was it A, Marvin Gaye, B, Michael Jackson, or C, Bob Bob Dylan? The answer is C, Sonny, oh, B, still C. God, sorry. Um, C, Bob Dylan. Have you heard of him? Yeah. Yep. Uh, um, oh, it's one of his songs. The, um, oh, uh, like, um, the wind is blowing. It's blowing, blowing in oh, the wind, blowing, blowing in the, the wind. wind. Yeah. There we go. Yeah, <laughs> this one is a multiple choice. You got to okay. finish the line. All right. In 1999, singer James Frude sang a song called "There's Only One Blank" about which former Aussie rules football great. Oh, this multiple choice. Sorry. <laughs> one all. All right. No, no, no. I, one all. It's two all for you. 
<laughs> I'm still putting you down as... Anyway. Okay. Is it, is it A, <laughs> Tony Lockett, B, Wayne Carey, or C, Gary Ablett? The answer is A, Tony Lockett. Two more. Um, the song Nambucca Boy by Earthboy in 2015 was written as a tribute to which former Aussie cricket player? Is it A, Glenn McGrath, B, Philip Hughes, or C, Ricky Ponting? The answer is B, Philip Hughes. Do you remember that, Livy, when I put my um, my cricket bat out in the balcony? No. Oh, okay. That was when he died. He died no. nearly 10 years ago. Yeah. yeah. It shocked the nation. And when, when they did the highway upgrade mm. bypass of Maxwell, where we was from, yeah. they named the bridge after him. Yeah. Mm. The That's Philip, beautiful. The Phillips Hughes Bridge. <laughs> 24 so nice. Tony passed away. Yeah, yeah, because struck by a bouncer in a shell gun. Uh, when, oh when, um, mm. Because Maxwell is a very small country town. Mm. And they said there was um, politicians from both sides of the of politics, and there was only um, so, so, yeah, funeral. And march through Maxwell, mm. where both both sides worked together yeah. and Aww. spoke together, and yeah, <laughs> which it should be that way all the time. Sure. But no, it's very sad. Mm. I was listening to his funeral on the radio. You were in the car with me at the time. You yeah. would have been probably too little to yeah. remember. Mm. But no, yeah. no, he, he, he just went way too early. Oh, just yeah. Really nice Shocking. Guy. Lovely oh, bloke. Yeah, yeah, Would have only been about 26. Like he oh was playing God. for it. He was an Australian player. Mm. He was sort of in and out of the side, but he, he um, yeah, he's a tremendous talent. Yeah. He had a very unorthodox yeah. batting technique. That sort of got yeah. him in the trouble sometimes. Yeah. But apart from that, like if he if he was still around, he would have, you know, he'd be still still in the team. Yeah. I reckon. Yeah. He would have really come good. Yeah. Yeah. But he got in a shield game. Um, he got struck on the neck. Yeah. And they've actually ever since then they've put in a neck neck guards onto the helmets. Mm. Because yeah. it's just it's too dangerous. Because it was a freakish thing that happened. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, was, it, was, it was, yeah. But the guy the who bowled it, yeah, he's happened. in the Australian team at the moment. Hmm. Um, yeah, and he deserves so he's so much admiration for the way he got on with his life. You know, Sean Abbott and yeah. really excelled as a player. Because yeah. that would have been so difficult for him. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, yeah. he killed somebody. Well, yeah. it was such a, it was a freakish accident. Yeah. Absolute you, freakish accident. And you killed somebody, like, doing the thing that you mm. love. Yeah. You know, like. And the team, mate. Yeah. Yeah. 
Uh, yeah. a, a friend and stuff. Yeah, like that. exactly. But just, yeah. It's just awful. Uh, yeah. Actually, talk about freak accidents. At, um, at Cricket Ground, the day my grandfather was born, mm. his eldest son was killed by a cricket ball mm. while they were watching cricket at the SCG. Jeez. In the crowd. Wow. Fair income. The ball just came and hit him straight. Who, who was it, sorry? My... My grandfather's eldest brother. Jeez. On the day that my grandfather, the, the, the day that my grandfather was born, yeah. his, old, his eldest brother was at the, the Sydney Cricket Ground. I'm surprised there's not more of it, because, you know, especially today, because you get so many balls being hit into the crowd, yeah. in, especially in T20. Yeah. Yeah, and those balls are hit at tremendous speed. Yeah. You know, uh, but um, yeah, no, they they um, because so many players were so traumatized from after when he died yeah. that um, yeah, they had to put the season on hold. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I think there's even there's talk one stage of cancer. Oh yeah, yeah. Because they're just going to thought, well, mm. they're going to yeah put on hold for. So long and then trying to work out. Well, it actually brought about the retirement, early retirement of some players, like Mitchell Johnson. Yeah. yeah he he oh, retired yeah. the following season. Yeah. He just, you know, he couldn't stand to hit another player in the head when he was bowling. No. Yeah. 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 Anyway. Yeah. Right, what's the next question, Libby? Next question is the last question, and yep. it is... It's a baseball one. One of the singles from the Scottish indie group Bell and Sebastian's album Dear Catastrophe Waitress was a tribute to which former Major League Baseball catcher? Was it A. Yogi Berra B. Johnny Bench or C. Mike Piazza Piazza Yeah the answer is C, Mike Piazza. Right. Have you ever heard of Dire Straits? Mm. Do, you, do you know what Dire Straits means? No. Like when you're, you're stuck somewhere mm-hmm. and you've got no way of getting back, you know, whether it be financial or anything at all. You, know, you might be stuck out in the middle of the, 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 the desert. Mm. And you've got no way of communicating or don't know how to get back. That's dire straits. Would it be like use like, like, oh, like I'm dire straits right now? Or would it just be like I am in the dire straits? Like I'm dire straits. I have no money. Uh, I can't go anywhere. I can't do a damn thing. I've never heard anybody say that before. Because what, what... when I when I first heard the, the name Dire Straits, mm. I thought Dire was a girl's name. Yeah. And I kept on saying, why is a, a male band called named after female Dire Straits? So it wasn't until they explained to me that Dire Straits was you know, that it meant mm. yeah you stuck. You stuck without no option. They're a very famous band. Yeah, Mark Knopfler. Mm. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 
and very, very good guitarist. He, he actually had, I, I heard this this week, he, when he's doing a concert, there's a guy backstage playing um, same guitar, same music. Hmm. Not, 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 not so Mark can fake it, you know, pretend to play. But if he's, if anything went wrong with Mark Knopfler's guitar or amplifier, there'd be somebody else in the be, background. Yeah, it's that you wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice. You wouldn't notice because, say, if if the guitar, if his guitar broke a string mm. or anything, the guy would be out there playing along with him. The roadie out there, because he had, he had, uh, he had rooms and rooms of guitars, mm. Mm. and the road, and he'd have a roadie just to look after his guitar, and he'd be always the, the roadie would always be on the side of the stage with the guitar in the hand. Mm. So if anything went wrong at all, he had a backup. He sort of he had a, the guy. The the radio to have it run it out to him with it already plugged in, <laughs> and the radio would take the other, the guitar that the, uh, Mark Knopfler's using off him mm. and put the put the new one on him. Okay. Wow, it's just uh, like he, he just runs in. Yeah, he just runs in, hands it over, so he could continue. There was just and there was still that, that backup guitarist. Yeah. He was playing along, so there was just no interruption just in the music at all. Yeah. Everyone should do that, huh? Uh, yeah, but not everyone can afford. Um, no, thank you. So there's that sort of work. Mm. Mm. But, yeah, to, to, to have someone playing along with, with Dice, with Martin Offler, You'd have to be the same as Mark Knopfler. True. You'd have to. You'd have to. Yeah. Yeah. Like the guy, like the backup guy, like deserves all the credit that he's getting, huh? Yeah. Yeah. Like if Mark Knopfler heard him play a slightly note, note and note slightly different, he'd hear it. Mm. Yeah, and he'd be going right. It. Yeah. He. He was that. That precise with. How he plays. How he plays. It's just unbelievable. And they, even when they get in the studio um, and they record an album of a song, mm. Mark Knopfler will sit in the studio and go through his... separate the, the, the guitar parts and go over them over and over again. Until he gets it perfect. And adjust anything that's slightly out. Um, yeah. He's a musical genius. Oh, I think. Yeah. Mm. yeah. Absolutely. They they done um, I think it was nineteen eighty eight or eighty seven something like that. They done it a tour of Australia. Mm. And, and Bro- they, Brothers in Arms album. Uh, I, I had that. Yeah. Mm. They had two crews going around Australia. It took thirty six hours. To set up this, all the gear, the staging. Because it's just, it's so, yeah. so detailed. Yeah. Because I, I got this, because a mate of mine was one of the truck drivers. Mm. 
And he said they would travel from one venue, like they'd be, say in Melbourne, they would pull down in Melbourne, jump, pack the car, pack mm. the trucks, and like, the second crew would have set up in Sydney. Yeah. Doug would then drive them straight up to Brisbane. Mm. As soon as they arrived in Brisbane, they'd be non-stop for 24 hours straight setting up. They would, go, they would go back to their accommodation, have a rest for six to eight hours, then do another 12 hours to finish setting up, mm. then go back and have a little bit more rest, come and do the, come and do the gig. Mm. Yeah, at most of them, there was a few gigs, mm. but you know, so they got a bit of a break, but as soon as the last gig was finished, they were pulling their gear down. Packing in the truck. Just no, no yeah. stops, just completely and, and, on and, the go. And, and, and then next thing, yeah, then the truck's packed and and they're driving up, up to Townsville, same thing again. Jeez. As soon as wow. they got there. A lot of work. Yeah. Mm. But because back back then, like the entertainment centres, they were just a, a big shed. Yeah. But, but now they've already got everything in there. Mm-hmm. So now when bands tour... They don't have to do all that. They don't have to have the back load. You know, they, they just bring their own instruments and yeah. whatever else they need. But the lighting's there, the sound's already set up and stuff like that. Mm. Yeah. Interesting. Interesting. Rodeo. Is it? Is it? So, who am I? Okay. This week's Aussie Sporting Legend. Okay. I was born in Coffs Harbour in 1931, and I am a former Australian athlete who, according to Olympics.com, was the supreme female sprinter of the early 1950s. I grew up in Lithgow just west of the Blue Mountains, and I won the Olympic sprint double at the 1952 Helsinki Olympics. Helsinki. Helsinki. That same year, singer-slash-songwriter Jack O'Hagan wrote a song in dedication of my achievements with Alan Code and and the song Paraders. Mm -hmm. I won seven sprint gold medals at the Commonwealth Games at the 1950 and 1954 Commonwealth Games, and I claimed gold in the 100 yards and 220 yards. I set six individual records and held every Australian state and national title I contested from 1950 to 1954. Wow. I also she spent, was good. I also spent time in sports administration and title, oh, and politics, and was governor of South Australia in two until 2001 she's lived a life until i relinquished Mm -hmm. thank you the position in 2007 i was also a board member for the sydney organizing committee for the 2000 sydney olympics and was one of the eight flag bearers of the olympic flag at the opening ceremony I have a road named after me at sydney olympic park and at 92 years of age i'm still going strong my nickname is the Lithgow Flash. <laughs> okay, and that name will be revealed at the end of this episode. episode. Mm. Yeah. 
Yeah, mm. what a life she's had. Mm. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, you would have gone through Lithgow, Livy, mm. when we go to the Blue Mountains, oh, yeah. but you would have been through it a few times. Mm. I know Lithgow well because I played soccer there when I was a kid, yeah. and it's absolutely freezing in the middle of winter. <laughs> I'll give you that tip, especially when you're playing goalkeeper. Mm. Even yeah. in the middle of November, it's cold. Yep. Especially <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Righty, eh? I'll give you a seat back. Yeah, you want to hang around, hear about some more songs? Well, you can hear it from over there. I already know, um, I already know Royals and I already know, um, Morrissey's song. I forgot what it's called. Oh, yep. Okay. So, we're going to talk about a baseballer. His name's, was George, his name's George Brett. And he played for a few clubs, but mainly the Kansas City Royals. Now, do you know what country Lord's from? L-O-R-D-E? The singer. Yeah. New Zealand. New Zealander. Yeah, yeah. she had a, a huge hit about 10 it years ago. It was a killing hit. Oh, was it? <laughs> was it? It sure was. You're saying the word now. It's contagious. Yeah, I know. Thanks to you. Royals. Right. So the New Zealand singer's huge 2013 worldwide hit got its name from a 1976 photo of Kansas City Royals Major League Baseball star, George Brett. Now, apparently, Lord, she probably doesn't know much about baseball. She saw a photo from the National Geographic of, uh, that's a magazine. You ever yeah. seen those? Mag They've been around for years, haven't oh, yeah. they? Yeah. yeah, so, yeah, she was just looking at this magazine one day, saw a photo of George Brett signing, you know, T-shirts. Yeah. She saw Royals on his back and yeah. thought, "Oh, that's a cool name." Yeah, yeah. and yeah, his shirt said Royals, and it was just that word that she said. "Quote, it was really cool," and she actually even met the former baseball star in 2014. Yeah. Now, Morrissey, you heard of Morrissey? What about a band called the Smiths? Yeah, I've heard this, yeah. yeah, so Stephen Morrissey. So he's a former lead singer of the Smiths. Yeah. And, yeah, he's written quite a few um, sports songs. Yeah. Yeah, so one's called Billy Con Boxers. Now, this was inspired by the former American light heavyweight boxer Billy Con, and even put Con on the front cover of his 1995 single. Now, the song is a slow, sad ballad which talks about the highs and lows of being a boxer, which Con knew plenty about. And he also wrote a song in regard, now we've spoken about this in previous episodes, Eric Cantona, yeah, the former French football great. Southpaw Grammar, that was the name of his album. Now that was in regards to Eric Cantona, the, the uh, French football and Manchester United great. So, yeah, he was the inspiration for Morrissey's 1995 album that titled South Pole Grammar after Cantona's famous kung fu kick that year at a fan in a game at Crystal Palace. Remember when he got sent off and he's, <laughs> as he's walking off the field, yeah. yeah, one of the Crystal Palace players has yeah. called out a homophobic slur to him. And yeah, because there was that song back in the 70s. 
Everybody's a kung fu fight. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what Harry Cantona did that night. He I, I, did kung fu into the crowd. I think, I think that was Bruce Lee. Yeah, that's right. Everyone, yeah, mm. as fast as lightning. Yeah. yeah, it was in regard to Bruce Lee, I think. Uh, yeah. But he also sang that we spoke about this in a previous episode, Manchester United's Busby Babes. Now, this was in regard to the Munich air disaster in 1958. Now, Morrissey's 2004 song, You Are the Quarry, was in reference to the horror and tragedy of the 1958 plane crash in which eight players lost their lives. And, yeah, it was a sombre song with lyrics that include, quote, we love them, we mourn for them, unlucky boys of red, end of quote. Now, it was just recently one of the Manchester United greats who survived that crash, crash English football great, what's his name, Bobby Charlton. Uh, yeah, he passed away. Hmm. Uh, yeah. Uh, now, Lil Wayne. Now, he's the most notable rapper about sports. Have you heard about him? Uh, yeah, he wrote a song in uh, respect to Kobe Bryant, 2009. Uh, yeah, and I think he re-released that song when, uh, yeah, Bryant shocked death in 2020. Uh, but Jimmy Sharman's Boxing Troop. Now, Jimmy Sharman's Boxers was a song by Midnight Oil, the great Aussie band in 1984. Uh, I don't consider them great. Yeah? Because the bloody drama, whatever song they had, mm. had the same old beat. <laughs> boom, boom, yeah. boom, boom. Same, same pattern with the bass drum and, yeah. and the snare drum and just bored me to tears. <laughs> and everyone's up there about, oh, midnight oil. Oh, shit. Yeah. Oh, I like some of their songs. Like one of their most famous ones was, uh, yeah, Armistice Day. Yeah. And today's Armistice Day. Remember that song? You're watching people fighting. You're watching people losing on Armistice Day. Yeah, no. no I, just, yeah, <laughs> I can play the whole song for you if you like, Glenn. No, 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 no. <laughs> I'm, I'm trying to leave that out of my... My, my knowledge of music is yeah. not all because... So you weren't a fan of their um, album Red Sails in the Sunset? No, even though I had it, I didn't have it for long. Yeah, yeah. well, Jimmy Sharman's boxing troupe was on that album uh, and it's a song based on a true story about how businessman and boxing trainer Jimmy Sharman navigated... His unbeatable boxing troupe of white Chinese and indigenous boxers throughout the First World War, despite the fervour about the war at the time. Now, also, through the pressure to enlist and accusations of cowardice and the tragic loss of life of so many during the war. Now, Russell Morris, he wrote another song in regard to a, an Aussie sporting great, Les Darcy. And it was called The Ballad of Les Darcy. Now, he released, released that in 2012. And it was a tribute to the man, the great Aussie boxer who died in America, aged only 23 in 1917. Yeah, geez. That was the thing back in those days, you know. You just got one <coughs> illness and that could be the end of you. Yeah. 
Now, John Williamson, he released a song called The Baggy Green, and he wrote that song in 2000 in respect to the Australian cricket team, and it was about the baggy green cap, which Australian cricketers, test cricketers, have been wearing for over 100 years. Mm. But, yeah, Shane Warne, he wasn't a fan of the, <laughs> the baggy green cap. <laughs> There was that time when um, 2001, yeah, Pat Rafter was playing in the, the Wimbledon final. And, yeah, Australia was on the Ashes tour then, you know, Steve Waugh was captain and, yeah, you know how passionate Steve Waugh was about the baggy green cap. And, oh, I reckon he wore it to bed with him every night. <laughs> and it was so ragged and ripped to bits and... <laughs> It would have stunk, you know. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, Shane Warne, he just refused to wear it. He just thought, gosh, you know, it's just a bit of cloth. Look. Yeah. <laughs> uh, you know, I don't have to show I'm passionate about playing cricket for my country yeah. while wearing a green cap. Yeah. Uh, he didn't mind speaking his mind, Warney. God love him. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Victor Trumper. Now, the Lucksmiths, they released a song called Victor Trumper in 1994, and it was about the great former great Australian cricketer who was the country's number one batsman in the early 1900s. Now, Trumper also played a major part in the foundation of rugby league in Australia. Now, he died early too in 1915. Now, it was just three years after he retired, and it was from Bright's disease. That's a form of kidney disease. Uh, yeah, just 37 years of age. Uh, now, Gun Sind. Now, that was a, a famous racehorse back in the, well, it would have been sort of early 1970s. And Nev Morris, Brian Wallace and Tex Mortem, they sang a song called the Gundawindi Grey. Uh, yeah, you ever been the Gundawindi uh, on the New South Wales-Queensland border? Neither have I. And, yeah, Gun Sin was a champion Australian thoroughbred racehorse. I, I, I think it wasn't that, that, that during COVID, that, that was a part of... Um, yeah, Gundawindi was in the news a bit then, wasn't because it? Because people mm. were sneaking out of the border. That's right. They, yep. Because there was only the local policemen out there. Mm. That, what, they sent the army out or extra police? yeah. It's um, getting out of control there yeah, for a while. Because everyone's going right for the bush, you know, to get over the border into Queensland. Yeah. Uh, but another Aussie country band, uh, yeah, what were they called? Stagecoach Country Band. They released a single called Yvonne in 1981 in tribute to the great Aussie tennis player Yvonne Gulagong Corley. Now, this band, Yay Sayer. Have you heard of them? Yay Sayer. Yeah. Now, they sang a song about a former boxer called Primo Carnera, and the song was called Ampling Alp, and it was released in 2010. Now, they're an electro-pop song, it was an electro-pop song about the former Italian fighter, Carnera, and that was his nickname, Ampling Alp. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, so 
Canera was known for his bouts with US champ Joe Lewis and Germany's. Now, we mentioned this in the German episode, Max Schmeling. Now, he was the, the boxer, you know, who helped those Jewish children. So he saved all those Jewish children in uh, World War II. Yeah. yeah. And he lived a long life, too. Now, yeah, so he's known, Carnera, he was known for his bouts with those two boxers mainly, but, and it was watched with intense scrutiny just before World War II. Now, Yeseya's lyrics for the song include, quote, In June, you must give fascists hell. They'll run, but they can't hide. End of quote. Now, Goldfinger. <laughs> they were a bit in love with the great Canadian ice hockey player, Wayne Gretzky. Now... So it's got nothing to do with James Bond, maybe? No. Okay. No, definitely not. Not when you hear these lyrics. <laughs> oh, my life. Now, the song, in, in respect to Wayne Gretzky, the song was called Wayne Gretzky, and it was from the band's 2002 album, Open Your Eyes. And the lyrics are very full on. I'll let you read them. No, no, no. <laughs> oh, come on. Uh, okay. Uh, uh, I'm, I'm, a, I'm actually just looking through my playlist. Yeah. I think, I'm not 100% sure, <laughs> but a band that I know called Tip the Bush, they might have written a sports song. Oh, yep. So I'm just going through, yeah. the, through the list. Anyway, I'll read the lyrics, some of the lyrics to this song. <laughs> this is one reason why I won't buy that, that I'll never, ever, ever buy that album. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, the only man I've had sex with. <laughs> Wayne Gretzky, I'd be intimate with. Wayne Gretzky, I think he's kind of sexy. Wayne Gretzky, I wonder what he looks like naked. And the chorus goes, oh, I wonder what it would be like. <laughs> I'm not going to read anymore. <laughs> oh, gosh. No. Well... Some of it, some of these lyrics. Wayne Gretzky, I know he's a married man, but maybe he'd be attracted to me. <laughs> Darren Pfeiffer, stupid American boy. Wayne Gretzky, very handsome Canadian man. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Anyway, we'll move on to our Where Are They Now? Well, you're looking that up. Because uh, we're going to move to someone who's a lot more sane. Where are they now? And an actual talented musician. Yeah. Very talented musician. Oh. Yep. And we're going to talk about, uh, well, we're going, going to stick on the theme. We've been doing it a lot lately about football, the world game. Yeah, so we're going to talk about a former English footballer called Peter Knowles and a song that was released by Billy Bragg in 1991 in, in regard to Peter Knowles. Now, the song was called God's Footballer and I'll get into it in a minute about why it was called that song. Anyway, I'll talk a bit about Peter Knowles first because it's one of the greatest wastes of talent <laughs> I've ever... I've ever known. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, it's like what could have been. And it, it was all because 
Like, like the, um, he fell in love with the Bible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like, what was it? Happy Gilmore. Yeah. He, yeah, I'm a, I'm a ice hockey player. Yeah. Yeah, that's why I am, but he ended up being really good at golf. Mm. But he kept on, for ages, he kept on refusing to admit that he was a golfer. That's right, yeah. Anyway, Peter Knowles, he was born in Fitzwilliam in Yorkshire, England in 1945 and is an English former professional footballer. Now, he played as a forward and spent his whole career at Wolverhampton Wanderers. Now, they're commonly known as Wolves, as they are commonly known, and they're currently sitting 12th on the Premier League table. So they're going all right. Currently, but yeah, they have been for quite a while. Now, Wolverhampton is a city in the West Midlands of England, just outside Birmingham. Now, according to Wikipedia, Knowles was a popular player, and between 1962 to 1969, he played 174 games for Wolves, scoring 61 goals. Mm. Now, he also spent time playing in the US with guest appearances for Los Angeles Wolves and Kansas City Spurs. Now, the reason they did this, because, you know, it wasn't a very big game at the time, Um, soccer in America. Yeah. Yeah, so what FIFA tried to do, do, they attempted to raise awareness of the sport in the US and they held a mini league. And, yeah, he was part of the Los Angeles team that won their league. Yeah, he actually got sent off, (laughs) apparently. It was the only time he ever got sent off for swearing and carrying on. But apart from that, he was very well behaved. Anyway, Knowles also represented the England under-23 side, making four appearances and scoring one goal. And they reckon, you know, if he he hadn't have been converted, he would have gone on to, you know, for sure, he would have gone on the play for the, the senior team. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Knowles came from a family that was rugby league-oriented. Now, his father, Cyril, played for Wakefield Trinity in the 1930s and 40s. However, the main sport in the family would become football, when Peter and his brother, Cyril, excelled in football. So Peter Knowles' talent was spotted by the Wolf's Wanderers feeder team, which Knowles spent time in the youth outfit at the time. Now, in 1962, Knowles was signed at just 17 years of age on a six-year contract. He made his debut early in the 1963-64 season and manager of the senior Wolf side gave Knowles his debut in the team's win over Leicester City. Now, he was only around 17 at the time when this happened, so, you know, he's, he's a real talent. Now, in the next game, he scored a goal on the team's two-all draw against Bolton Wanderers. And the following season, in 1964-65, Knowles emerged as a top-class footballer with Wolves. They were being faced with relegation from the top league at the time, and Knowles, still a teenager at the time, finished the season scoring six goals and setting up many others. Unfortunately, though, Wolves were relegated to second division. Now, Knowles had a successful 1965-66 season, scoring many goals, including a hat-trick in the games against Carlisle United and Derby County. 
and finished the season the club's top goal scorer despite spending time out injured. Now, the following season in 1966-67, this was around the time when England won the World Cup. Yeah. Yeah. Now, Knowles played a major role in Wolfs finishing second on the second division table. So they, back then, they, it was first division was the top division, yeah. you know, where today it's like Premier League and then first division. Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah, so he spent a fair bit of time out injured, but he, 66-67, he played a major role in Wolfs finishing second on the second division table and gained promotion back to the top division. So they've got about 20 teams in the five divisions there. And normally the top three and the bottom three. So the top three um, are promoted into the next division and the bottom three are relegated normally. But they they have like a playoff system a lot of the time and, yeah, it's very exciting, you know, because, yeah, like it's a matter of life and death to some of these spectators because their whole life revolves around their football team, you know. Yeah, and... I really, I really like the the relegation promotion system. Yeah, I don't think they'll ever do it over here, you know, in the NRL and yeah. AFL. Yeah, yeah. I, I just don't think we've got the population, and you know, it works over there in England because they've got a big population in a small area. Yeah. So yeah, they can do that sort of thing. Yeah. Um, yeah, but, you know, it works in a lot of European countries and, uh. yeah. Anyway, <laughs> yeah, so they they make it out of the division. They finish second on the second division table, get promoted back to the top division. All's going good. Peter Knowles, he's got the good looks and he had the football world at his feet. And some were beginning to forecast Knowles as England's George Best. Now, Knowles had an injury-plagued 1967-68 season, playing 21 games and scoring eight goals. And Knowles had a great passion to play for England and attempted to be transferred from Wolves a few times during his career. However, each time his request was rejected by the managers at the time. Now, during the 1967-68 season, Wolves signed Derek, the Doug Dugman. <laughs> now, he was a former Northern, Inter- Northern Ireland international. That's where George Best was from. Yeah. And this appeared to help lift the form of Knowles, with the two performing well together. Yeah. Knowles finished the season second behind Dugan in the club's leading goal scorers. Yeah. Now, Wolfs just avoided relegation this season. And Wolfs again just avoided relegation at the end of the 1968-69 season. So they've done an Everton for the past three years. They've escaped relegation by the hair of their chinny-chin-chin. <laughs> yeah, so Knowles was the second best scorer of the club again behind Dugan with 11 goals. And he then travelled again to the US to play in the promotional league, this time for Kansas City. That's where uh, Dorothy was from, wasn't she? In The Wizard of Oz? (laughs) Kansas City. Yeah. Now, one day, 
Knowles ran into a group of Jehovah's Witnesses. This is where everything changed. Those sliding door moments in life. Now, they spoke to him about their religion. Now, many people would laugh this off or tell them to get get nicked. <laughs> what do you do when they come knocking on your door, Glenn? <laughs> you run and hide or? <laughs> what do you do? I, yeah, I just totally... No, I won't tell you why I did. I've, I've got a couple of stories. There's two guys I knew many years ago when they were trained to become yeah. te- te- telecom <coughs> technicians. They lived together and they used to have the Jehovah's Witnesses come around and then ask them to leave. So then one time they came in, they invited them in and they locked the screen door. Mm. And they went. They went in. Who locked the screen door? Was it the Jehovah's? No, no. These one of these guys on you. Yeah. Locked the screen door. Anyway, they invited them into the into the uh, into the the lounge room. Yeah. And one got one of the telecom guys. One was on either side and the two Jehovah's Witnesses in the middle. Yeah. They started to talk about, about the, um, yeah, about God and all that. And, um, and, um, yeah, getting really fascinated. Then, one of the, then they started saying, oh, yeah, we're like young men and started to rub the leg yeah. of the Jehovah's Witnesses. They stood up and, <laughs> and ran straight through the flash screen door and just kept on running. I remember years ago, like when I was living in Sydney on the northern beaches there, there were these big Jehovah's Witness American guys. I think uh, they were Jehovah's Witness and uh, you know, we'd be getting them knocking on the door all the time. Uh, These guys just walked in uh, and they wouldn't leave. And I had to say, you know, you need to leave or else I'm ringing the police. I didn't invite you any. Yeah, yeah, yeah well, when, when I... Um, They're very shifty I, in how they work, some of them, but... When, when, I, when I was at Bath Street, I had them come round there. Yeah. And I asked them politely, don't come round anymore. Yeah. But they kept on coming. Oh, gosh. Anyway, I, I found the head office phone number in Sydney. And I said, look... I, I respect your, your 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 beliefs. I'm a Buddhist, but I also have cerebral palsy, yeah. and to have um have someone knocking at my door at nine o'clock on a Saturday morning, and I've got I'm still in bed because my condition can keep me in bed yeah. for half the day or whatever. Can you please? Told them not to come, hmm. and, and nah. he said, "You, he said, you won't be bothered again." Yeah, I never heard from them again. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. Well, I was in Sydney. But, but, but I heard, heard a story this week. Yeah, that this couple um, they were visited by the Jehovah's Witness. Hmm. That the, the male part, the male partners in the shower, the female partners just come out of the shower and Jehovah's Witnesses are knocking at the door and all she's got on is a towel around her. 
jab in the door, so he was, and then he said, tell God. And then he turned around and bolted. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it was about 20 years ago. I was when I was living in Parramatta, and I was waiting to get a bus. And I'd miss the bus, and I've been yeah. waiting there. You know, I had to wait about another hour for the next bus, and this old bloke comes and sits next to me. You know, really? Yeah, you know, he seemed like a really nice bloke. He's yeah. having a chat, you know, and yeah. yeah, I just thought, oh, this guy's unreal, you know. Yeah, we just have a nice, friendly chat, wait yeah. for the bus, yeah. and um, after about an hour, he hands me a brochure. He'd been, it was from the Jehovah's Witness. He was, yeah. he'd been grooming me all that time. Yeah. He was in town for a, um, yeah. they had a big Jehovah's Witness convention on yeah, well, in the city. Well. well the, the old neighbour is, is passed on the line now. Yeah. He had Parkinson's. He lived by himself. And they used to... They, they used to... Um, um, come and visit them every week. Yeah. They did, that for, they did that for months. And then they turned up with this paperwork for him to leave the house. And 25 acres to them when um when he when he passes yeah he said and and Regan was the neighbor's name said look leave it with me I'll think about it and they were really pushing him and Regan said look just let me think about it anyway one of the other someone else in the town found about about what the Jehovah's Witnesses have done. Yeah. And, because I knew it, it was every second Saturday they would, they would go up and see him. Mm. So this guy <laughs> parked his car on the side, opposite side of the road and watched him come in and go up his driveway. He followed them out. Mm. And he said, I've heard what you've done. You show your face here again, mm. and you'll be meeting—you'll meet, be meeting your maker a lot sooner than you think. <laughs> and they never came back. Really? Yeah, because what a scared hell out of him. His kids really got nothing. Yeah. The whole, you know, like the, the, the place is now worth five million dollars. Mm. So they would have had it all to, yeah, yeah. I just find that. But they, they must be loaded in money because in, in Lura, where I grew up, like the church I would go to as a kid, the local Catholic church, yeah. like just down the road, yeah. they built a, I don't know whether you've seen it in Lura, but yeah, but I remember they built this massive, you know, glorious Jehovah's Witness ch- yeah, um, building there. Well, I just noticed one this week. Look like the Taj Mahal. I just noticed one this week on Olsen Avenue. Yeah. Jehovah's Oh, yeah. Yep. I thought, ah, how long's that been there for? Mm. Yeah, but no, no. Yeah. They've got a lot of money. Anyway, Peter Knowles, so he got um, approached by a group of Jehovah's Witnesses. And he began to think deeply about his life. <laughs> and he questioned his motivations as a f- footballer. 
And they were thinking deeply about his banking yeah. account. Yeah. So when he returned to Britain, he announced that he'd become a Jehovah's Witness, stating that he had lost his ambition for football, however, would continue playing. But he didn't play for very long because he found it too difficult to manage both of them. Now, Wolves got off to a great start during the 1969-70 season, winning their first four games and with Knowles scoring in the first three of them. They then had two draws at home and then had a loss away to Coventry. Knowles' last ever game was the eighth game of the season with a three-all draw against Nottingham Forest. Now, he devoted his time to his faith and reading the Bible and broke the heart of Wolf's fans. Wolf's held out hope that he would return one day and play again, and Knowles remained on contract at the club for the next 12 years. (laughs) So they were waiting all this time. (laughs) Please come back. (laughs) Now, it wasn't until 1982 that the club finally gave up hope on Knowles, and they terminated the now 36-year-old's contract. Now, nine years later, English folk musician, now, have you heard of this bloke? Billy Bragg. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Released the song, God's Footballer, in reference to Knowles, in reference to his mesmerising talent. Now, the song appeared on Bragg's album, Don't Try This at Home. Now, when I lived on the northern beaches in the early 90s, I was going to the university. These are early university days. Yeah. I was living in a bachelor pad with uh, two other blokes. Yeah. And I fell in love with that album. I'd never heard of Billy Bragg before. Yeah. But, oh, they used to play that <laughs> album to death. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm hearing all these Billy Bragg songs. Yeah. And there was one particular song that I just fell in love with and I am I'm in love with to this day and I still know every single lyric to the song and the song's called Sexuality it's an all time classic and I put it on the Facebook page I know it's got nothing to do with sport well actually there's one line where he talks about he had an uncle who once played for Red Star Belgrade yeah but it's a brilliant song but he's a Political singer. Yeah. yeah. And it didn't take me long before I was listening to that album every day, playing it. And <laughs> yeah, but um, one of the blokes I lived with, he was a cameraman for Channel 9. Yeah. yeah. And he used to travel around, do a lot of the sporting events. Yeah. Mainly um, the motor racing, the cricket. Yeah. Yeah. The, uh, the cricket was hard for him because he wasn't a cricket man. Uh, but the last time I saw him was on TV about yeah. 20-odd years ago. And, yeah, I thought, oh, on the cricket show. And he was being interviewed <clears throat> and he was over in in India. <clears throat> yeah, working as a cameraman over there. <clears throat> and I thought, man, oh, gosh. Because <laughs> the, the, the cameraman that filmed the motorsports. Mm. They got really good reflexes. Oh yeah, and get out of the way. Yeah, well he he loved it in a split second. Yeah, because he was a real motorsports fan, yeah. you know. And um, this was the these were this was this, this was the day where they had the Grand Prix in Adelaide. Yeah, and that was his hometown. Yeah, and he loved going there. He'd be away for a month. 
you know, with uh, all the setup, and, uh, uh, but there was enormous pressure because yeah. it was going all around the world. Yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, Billy Bragg's music, it's a mixture of folk, punk rock, and often protest songs with his lyrics based mainly on political or romantic themes. Now, his music is centred on change and activist causes, and he's an Essex boy. He was born in Essex, England in 1957 and was inspired and influenced by Elvis Costello and The Clash. Yeah, you remember The Clash and Elvis Costello? Yeah. 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 The Clash sang uh, Rock the Casbah. Remember that? Yeah. Yeah. Rock the Casbah. Rock the Casbah. Now, it was at a rock um, concert against racism carnival. In April 1978, that he became inspired with using music for political activism. He got his break in 1984 during the UK as a support act for the Style Council. And later that year, released an album called Brewing Up with Billy Bragg. Now, it featured a mixture of political songs and songs of unrequited love. Now, he released... In 1985, another EP called Between the Wars, which featured more political songs. It made the top 20 on the UK charts, and Bragg gained an appearance on Top of the Pops. Yeah. Yeah. That's, a, that's their version of Countdown over there, but yeah. it's gone for a lot longer than Countdown. Yeah. You know you've made it when you make it to the Top of the Pops. Yeah. I wonder if it's still going. Probably yeah. is. Now, Bragg's 1986 album, Talking with the Taxman about poetry, <laughs> that's an interesting title, was a top ten album, and in 1988, Bragg had a number one single with a cover of The Beatles, She's Leaving Home. Now, Billy Bragg's song about Peter Knowles begins like this. God's footballer, here's the voices of angels above the choir at Molyneux. Now, that's the name of their home, the Wolf's home ground, Molyneux. Now, God's footballer stands on the doorstep and brings the good news of the kingdom to come while the crowd sings Rock of Ages. The goals bring weekly wages, yet the glory of the sports pages is but the worship of false idols and tempts him not. God's footballer turns on a sixpence and brings the great crowd to their feet in praise of him. God's footballer quotes from the Gospels while knocking on doors in black country back streets. (laughs) He scores goals on a Saturday and saves souls on a Sunday. Now, during his retirement from football... Knowles worked as a milkman, a window cleaner, and in a Marks and Spence warehouse. Now, that's um, Britain's major retailer, and they, they specialise in selling clothes, beauty, home, and food, food uh, products. Uh, yeah. Now, former Wolfhampton Wolves player Frank Munro is stated as saying in the Guardian newspaper in 2008 that all the Wolves players were in shock when Knowles told them he was quitting the sport and many of them were extremely disappointed and in a way felt let down. Knowles had kept it a complete secret 
Munro said, quote, He was always a bit of a jack the lad. He just bought a brand new MG sports car and put his name on the side. It just seems so unlikely. It was a bloody waste of talent. There are kids who would give their right arm to have that kind of ability. End of quote. Now, apparently a few weeks before he quit the sport, Knowles turned down an offer from Liverpool. So that's when there's a red flag in the air. <laughs> yeah, and the players all then knew why. Munro tried to talk to Knowles about his decision. However, Knowles wasn't interested. His teammates thought it was all a gimmick. They thought, thought it was a G-up. And Knowles would be back playing in six to eight weeks. However, after about a year, they all realised he wasn't going to return. After Knowles' final game, after Wolfs gave up a 3-0 lead against Nottingham Forest with the game ending free all, apparently Knowles just left the ground, no goodbyes, and he left professional football just after turning 24 years of age. Mm. Yeah, and that reminds me of uh, a few other Aussie sports stars yeah. who have broken hearts. Ash Barty, Mark Eller, uh, Shane Gould. Uh, Mark, El well, Mark Eller and Shane Gould, they're former Where Are They Nowers. Yeah. Anyway, let's look at what Peter Knowles is doing today. Now, he's still knocking on doors, <laughs> preaching, the but he's respectful. He's a, he's a respectful Jehovah's Witness. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, so he's now 78 years of age, and he's always stated that he never regretted giving up playing football. Now, his younger brother, Cyril, went on to play left back for Tottenham Hotspur and for England. He had a distinguished career playing 441 senior games and four games for England. Now, Cyril then had a career as a manager for three lower division clubs. Now, sadly, in 1991, um, while, he, while he was a manager, he died in a freak traffic accident when a stone was thrown up from the road and went through the window of his car, hitting him in the head. Yeah, very sad. Now, Steve Gordo's book, Peter Knowles, God's Footballer, mentions that despite all the pleas from his teammates... Friends, fan and fam, fans and family, Knowles has always said that his decision to quit to become a Jehovah's Witness is the best thing he ever did. Uh. Now, Peter Knowles still preaches the Jehovah gospel door-to-door -door and only lives a few minutes away from Molyneux, uh. the Wolf's home ground. Now, he can often be found in Wolverhampton City Centre politely and sincerely supporting his cause and commitment to his faith. He is totally content with the life-changing choice he made, and according to The Express and Star.com, he, re he regrets any displays of arrogance he displayed in his youth, and even wishes he never became a footballer in the first place. <sighs> yeah. And he, he's, he's still a Yorkshire man at heart. He likes his roast beef and his Yorkshire pudding. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> now, Billy Bragg, he's now 65 years of age. How time flies. <sighs> and he supports West Ham United Football Club. Over four decades, he's been Britain's foremost political singer and recently celebrated the 40th anniversary of his first solo album. It's quite amazing he... Um, Still, you know, he's a West Ham supporter, supporter of another club, yeah. but he was still inspired to 
uh, write a song about a player uh, from another team. Uh, yeah. Now, Bragg announced a compilation series entitled The Roaring Forty to commemorate the occasion. Now, he will also have a Roaring Forty tour, which is currently taking place across the UK, Ireland and mainland Europe. Yeah, I wonder if he'll come to Australia. Uh, yeah. Anyway, that's the story of uh, Peter Knowles and Billy Bragg. Uh, yeah. Okay. I might just play some of that song, if that's okay. all right, because it's a beautiful song. Yeah, God's Footballer by, by Billy Bragg. Beautiful, relaxing voice, isn't he? Yeah, I could listen to that all day. Yeah. Rightio, so we'll move on to our Who Am I answer. Yeah. And the answer is Marjorie Jackson Nelson. Yeah. Right. Okay. Now I've, uh, Let's end the episode with a joke. Come on, Glenn, make us laugh. <laughs> the joke of the week. Yep. Hit me with it. Now, I've, I've been listening to heaps of stuff, especially Dave Allen, but the one I've selected for today has a bit of a religious undertone. Johnny was play, had a... He played in his parents' parents' um, cupboard in their bedroom. That was his cubby house. He liked it to be dark and that. Anyway... He's in there and then he uses his mother in bed with someone. And um, then, he, then the guy quickly jumps into the cupboard and young Johnny hears, hears his father come in the bedroom. And, and young Johnny goes, I've got a baseball here. You want to buy it? And the guy says, no, I don't want to bite. He said, are you sure? He said, no. Um, he said, I'll go and tell my father what's happening. He said, okay, how much, how much of the baseball? 
And they said, right, yeah, it's $250. Right. So the guy forks out the $250, and a month later, Johnny's back in there playing in his cubby house inside his pants' wardrobe, and again, here's his mother cheating on his father with this guy. And, um, and, uh, and the guy jumps in the cupboard, and little Johnny says, I've got a baseball mitt. Do you want to buy it? And the guy goes, no, I'm not falling for that again. I'm not buying it. And he says, right, uh, I've just got to tell me. He, he said, I've just got to tell my father something. And the, <laughs> and the guy goes, okay, how much is the baseball mitt? He said, $750. So the guy agrees to pay him the $750. And a couple of weeks later, Johnny's father came How old's Johnny? Yeah, yeah, school, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Young age, but smart enough. But his father comes home from, from work early and says, Johnny, grab your baseball and your mitt and we'll go and play catch up on the arm, on the, on the front lawn. Hey. And young Johnny goes, I can't. And his father goes, why? He said, I sold them. And his father goes, what did you sell them for? And how much did you sell them for? And he said, well, I sold the baseball for 250. And I, I, I saw, I sold the ba baseball mitt for 750. And Johnny's father goes, that's terrible to I ever charge someone for those two items. <coughs> I'm taking you straight down to church <laughs> to, to, yeah, to confess about what you've done, about overcharging and bring something, something off. <laughs> so he, they, they get into the church and Johnny's father puts him in the confession box. Yeah. And... Um, and closes the door and Johnny says, wow, it's dark in here. And on the other side of the room, he says, don't start that again. Don't start that again, son. Yeah, I thought that's a, a direction it was going. <laughs> <laughs> that, that, that was courtesy of um, Billy Brownless <coughs> from uh, the Rush Hour uh, on Triple M. Billy Brownless, he was a uh, former... AFL player, yeah. yeah, that's all right. They called him Bentless Bentless, Benny Bentless. Alrighty, oh, yeah. So next episode, we're going to talk. We spoke about it a few weeks ago when we were doing the the episode on ancient sports. We spoke about some brutal sporting events from many many centuries ago. Uh, yeah, but we're going to talk about some brutal sports that still exist today. Yeah. Yeah, so we're going to go into more depth about that. Okay. Mm. Right, yeah. Well, um, yeah. Delve into that in the next episode. Yeah, look forward to that. Uh, anyway, thanks for joining us for this episode of The Sports Shack. So all sources for this episode are on the platform page. So it's a goodbye from Paul. And it's a goodbye from Glenn. And have a great sporting week. Yeah, goodbye. Bye. G'day, it's me again. 
please check out the Sporting Shack on Facebook if you like this, for posts and other likes and shares. Have a great sporting week. Please check out Gold Studio Productions on Facebook. Until next time...